everyone, this is Alex. I'm introducing the episode this week because this is technically the second half of an episode we recorded a couple weeks ago with Iata from my anime podcast. Evangelina did a very good job of introing it, but I am too lazy to go back and clip that intro out, so here I am. Uh, this is the Yona podcast, and without further ado, here is the second half of our episode in which we actually talk about Yona. Please enjoy. I wanted to ask you before we get into anything, Yata, what was your history with manga? Because now we're officially done with anime, and you are like an anime-centric podcast. I assume you mostly watch anime and don't really read manga, but like... What's your history with it? Is that true? Do you like anime more than manga? Uh, definitely like anime more than manga. Um, I, I also with the medium, personally, to get into it. Like uh, as a kid, I remember, uh, re- like, I remember seeing Battle Royale, the movie when it came out, and being just like thinking that was like the coolest shit ever. Like to this day, I still sort of say it's like offhand is like my favorite movie ever. Um, and I, that was like the first manga that I got was the Battle Royale manga um and i collected it i thought it was pretty good but it never like it never became a thing beyond that and i wasn't like a comic reader now i will say that my sister was a big manga reader and she had all she had a bunch of fruit basket in the house and like uh i would read the fruit basket manga but like as now like it's not really like a hobby of mine which is unusual because it's like especially like right now especially it's kind of having like a a bit of a renaissance in terms of like um interest like um in terms of like the anime community a lot of people are like gravitating towards the manga more for me it's like i only own i only collect one manga and that's land of the lustrous um and that's that's the only manga i collect so for like getting into like the the, these manga chapters this is probably the first manga i've read since like the last podcast that we did together um yeah, like, I I find it fine as a medium, but I said I, I generally tend to like if I'm reading something, I, I tend to just like more. I tend to gravitate more towards like novels, or even like light novels. I find like that medium agrees with me more. Like, I would consider myself quite a visual person, but for some reason, the like comic format or the manga format is just never something that I I don't I don't think I appreciate it enough, or I feel like I'm not appreciating enough. You know what I mean? I just tend to like rattle through it. And I have to almost like, like check myself, and sort of like, no, no, like, 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 what? Look at this, like, kind of like take it in. Um, I don't know how how you guys are like if you how I, I guess in like Alex, you're definitely seem to be like quite like in a manga person, I guess. But uh... I mean, I am. I would consider myself yes, but I also do the same thing. Like, I would prefer it in a novel form. I think uh it just like sort of doesn't exist really I mean I guess light novels exist and I did that with I was reading under the under the oak tree which is like a a Korean webtoon that's based on a light novel so I started reading the light novel because it was just like a little bit too slow for me uh updating wise um but yeah I mean I I don't know it's just like the medium that it exists but I prefer reading the manga because I don't like subs in shows I like being able to set my own pace and I feel like I'm kind of a slow reader so I like being able to 
to read and then look up at the art and appreciate the art. Whereas I feel like with anime, I can't do that because everything's moving so fast and I feel like I'm just reading all the time. Um, and I've heard that it gets better and easier and you get sort of used to like looking at both at the same time. I just never got to that point. I don't know. And also just like shoujo has that problem where you get one season and then like, that's it. So I kind of have yeah. to read the manga anyway. And I figure like, might as well just have my own thoughts and uh, in my head. So I don't get into weird situations where Zeno has a German accent for me. Cause I was watching Fruits Basket at the same time as I was reading Yona of the Dawn. So uh, Zeno reminds me a lot of um, uh, Momoji. Who has a German uh, accent in the dub? Oh yeah, oh god, his yeah, his German accent is yeah. in the dub is horrendous. <laughs> like if I was, <laughs> and I, I like, I gen, I actually think the first basket dub is pretty good, but uh, fuck, his accent is bad. It is bad. <laughs> it's definitely a trip. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so- why, why do you why are you drawn more towards like anime is it just like the whole package because there's like i know there's there's a lot more to it there's like visuals you can hear like voices there's like music involved like is it that or is it just it's probably the, it's probably the total package honestly like i actually like animation like i like animation you know what i mean yeah. it's like something i've always gravitated towards anyway and um especially like the more as as we've sort of unpacked and grown, I guess, as anime users or as anime like reviewers, I guess, or like just people talking about it. I've like had more of an interest in exploring that as a medium. Does that make sense? Like beyond like with, because in, in the beginning when I was like, when we were like watching a lot of anime, we were kind of like doing it like, I guess from a sort of like literary approach. You know what I mean? Like that's how I would appreciate it. So like the, the appeal of uh, anime was more so like getting stories that you might necessarily not get in the West, if that made sense. Whereas yeah. like, um, like for even like something for like, like I'm not, I'm not even sure you would get a Yona of the Dawn in the West or like what that would look like. You know what I mean? Um, so that was the reason to watch it. It was like a vehicle to get these kind of different kind of stories. But after a while it became actually about like, no, I actually like how they're fucking animating this thing. Like I like the techniques that they're using. Um, and that like gives, and that kind of opened up a whole, like that. That's not something you get in the in the manga. Like you do get like, these beautiful panels. Like even uh, in the chapters today, there was a couple of like there was a couple of panels that I was like, oh, I really like this panel. And more so in the previous chapters that we did to, uh, together when when we were introducing the blue dragon. Like I remember, there's a couple of panels that really stuck with me. But for some reason, I find that I just like the moving image. I guess it's just like it resonates more with me. Like on a like a like more profoundly in terms of like, oh shit, this is like something I actually really like. I like, I, I, I get like, I get like jazzed for this. You know what I mean? Where if I like, if I, if I, with the manga, I guess I more, I still kind of think of it more as like a literary thing. And I'm almost like having like the words in the page that I can sort of connect myself. I just prefer that in a sort of like a, like having my own sort of headcanon when it comes to the images and just having like a, a traditional novel format works for me better again and there's like in Ireland, there's not really a culture of comic books for example right like that's not like comic books are not really like a popular thing that people like th- there are comic books available but it's not like um there's not this thing where like oh i was into comics for a long time and i eventually transitioned to manga that's that was not really a gateway it was like it was always anime and manga was sort of like there but 
it's it was pricey and and then i had like the idea of like reading online for example or like an e-reader that was just like never something that like i'm kind of old school when it comes to like I holding like the physical copy in my hand and like that was being a manga reader is an expensive hobby like just from the few that i own you know what i mean uh where like with a book you're like well i have this book and then i can like i'm not going to be done in an hour you know what i mean or like two hours yeah i don't know it's just like it just i think it's 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 i think a lot, a lot of it comes to stand to like how much i appreciate the art form and the, i appreciate the the art form of animation just a little bit more and then obviously you, like the stuff like like having a like a bop as an op or whatever or like a cool soundtrack or just like a really like transcendent performance in terms of like from a, like a character actor perspective like that just adds a lot to it right but that wouldn't necessarily be like the like the defining thing because then like i think a lot of times like uh, the, the manga actually can give you more as like a counter to that but what manga what anime what manga can't give me is like that just that joy that you get from the actual moving image of like these this is animated and it's actually like this is this is the shit that i love and that doesn't necessarily have to be animated. That could be like anything, even like as a, like like just watching a Disney movie. Like it's like, oh, I fucking love this. I could watch like Frozen like twenty times because of how fucking greatly how great the animation is. You know what I mean? And like how great the songs are. But um, <laughs> no, yeah, I get it. There's definitely like a difference in the medium. Uh, Evangelina, I don't know where you stand on this. You don't really read manga, as far as I know. I think this is like the only one not other than yeah, like a couple of things of sailor moon yeah this is the only one really so far uh it is a bit of an adjustment same thing i'm used to novels and i feel like you kind of you know it's more simplistic because I, I i do like you know when you're reading a novel um the descriptions like in addition to the dialogue and like the way that adds things and so that's like missing in like a comic or manga format um, and there are times where things don't quite, I'm, I'm probably just stupid, but sometimes things I don't quite understand them on the page. Like there have been a couple of times, you know, on our podcast where I've, I've been like, oh, I didn't realize this was what was happening when I was reading it in the manga. And then I saw it as an episode and I was like, oh, this is what happened. I misunderstood that. So I do think it's easier with anime to really get across the action particularly actiony things because that's the other thing if there's like a battle going on like i get so bored if it's like manga form because it's just lots of panels of like clash 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 whereas in an anime format you have this opportunity to illustrate this really awesome looking battle um but you know that being said i you know i as I'm getting more used to it, 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 it is fun. It, it's nice coming across uh, panels that really resonate. Because, like, you know, we've had some where I've said, I was like, oh, I actually want this as, like, a Twitter background. Or uh, Alex will save some as reaction images, certain panels of whatever she's reading. And then I get to experience them in, like, meme format because she uses them as memes. Nice. Uh, so that is yeah, so that that that's a, a great joy to have. So I I do currently prefer anime, but I'm not against manga. Like for example, like I'm really enjoying Kaleidostar right now. And if that actually had like a long running uh manga, I probably would have gone after it knowing that there's only two seasons. Nice. 
No, I I get where you guys are coming from. Totally agree. But I will say it was nice reading the manga. This uh, these these manga panels, like you know, they were nice. It was good getting into the manga this yeah. time around, not to like completely undersell the experience. No, yeah, I mean, I think this one's a good manga. So my problem with like other things that I've been reading, so I read Tanake and Tahana or something. I read like the first chapter of that. I've been re I've been trying to get into Berserk because I've heard there's a lot of influence. Uh, Yona has a lot of influence from Berserk. So I, I was curious about that and I'm almost through the first volume of there. And then the, my same criticism of um, um, uh, Skip Beat, which I, I looked for the anime to get me through to like understand the characters first because like there's so much going on. So I think Yona is a really, really good manga because it doesn't have a lot of like crazy dialogue kind of filling up the page. But oh my God, there are some that just have like insane amounts of dialogue and I just feel so busy and it's a little overwhelming. So yes, I think this one's a fun manga, but yes, there are some out there that I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, man. <laughs> so I'm trying to power through Berserk because I've heard that there it, there it seems to be there's a like people have said there's a lot of influence on like suan and hawk's relationship from guts and whoever else i don't know I'm not uh, Griff, griffith griffith probably griffith you. yeah 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 so i've heard there's a there's a lot of like similarities between the two and i love hawk and suan's relationship so i'm like all right i'll get this shot why not Although that one is tragically unfinished and the author did just die this year, tragically. Yeah, it was earlier this year, yeah. Yeah, so I know that's that must be pretty infuriating. I've never been like there's like a very strong uh berserk community and I, I, I feel for them. Like that happened with the Wheel of Time. Like literally like the author died before he finished it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like shit dude, that was like a you know, and luckily enough, they got another author in who was uh, to finish it. But uh, I with the with Berserk, I don't know what like what the plan is going forward. So I don't yeah, know. the anime is pretty good though. I'll say the uh, the author of Hunter Hunter is also like pretty darn sick. But his I've I've read okay, so I read this on Twitter and I never fact checked it, so I could be just spreading lies. But I've heard that his wife is Naoko Takeuchi, who uh, did Sailor Moon. And so apparently she's, like, trying to learn his style to be able to, like, help him finish it while he's sick. Which I think is very cool and an interesting way to handle that. So I wonder what they'll do with Berserk. Yeah, I think I think Hunter x Hunter is never getting finished. <laughs> that, that one is, like, that's even more punishing. <laughs> like, five years without a new chapter. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. So good luck with that, guys. I've never gotten into personally, but one of my like one of my best friends is like a massive Hunter Hunter fan, and you just like wait. What I've overheard is just like incredibly frustrating experience to be a fan of that because you get it sometimes where you're like, oh, I really got into this series of books, and it's been nine years since the last one. I guess Game of Thrones. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, like we've been fucking waiting since like oh yeah the, before the first season of the show for the next book. And it's like, at this point, I'm like, whatever. I don't even care anymore. That's how like, bitter I am about it. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's also with fan fiction, too. There's a lot of things out there that you're like, oh, damn, this hasn't been updated uh, since 2009. Yeah. 
But maybe. Oh, sorry. Just one quick thing about fan fiction. When you were talking earlier about anime having things that you wouldn't necessarily see in the West, I think that's one of the reasons we started getting into anime because it was stuff that we would kind of only see in fan fiction. Mm-hmm because we were big fan fiction readers and so like the tropes and stuff that we'd picked up that were super prevalent in fan fiction but not necessarily in actual you know formally published media you can find an anime and that's great yeah i agree i didn't know there was i, I said it, fan fiction is like is is this weird sort of like oddity that's there on the internet but i've never really like like delved into like not seriously anyway like other than like the old like random fan fiction generator just to wow. get like a few giggles if you're ever curious about it, I did do some fan fiction recommendations a couple episodes ago. <laughs> if you want to read <laughs> fan fiction, uh, I wrecked a lot of dirty shit, but there's some clean stuff well, in there too. Well, it's good. It's like, unless if it's not dirty, I don't know what's like. What's the point? Like, like this is the shit. Like, let's have the. about the yearning, Yata? <laughs> Or about Hakushina getting into a um, arm wrestling championship. It's fun. That's song. very. That seems. That seems very wholesome. <laughs> it is. It's very cute. <laughs> okay. Are we ready to get into the chapters? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Do that. So, first one, chapter fifty-two, is called "An Arrow Piercing a Stone." As I say that out loud, this is one of those chapter names that, like, doesn't quite make sense to me. <laughs> I always write I them always... down, and then when we talk about them on the podcast, I'm like, wait a minute. Why did you do mm-hmm. this? But maybe it'll come to us later. All right. So, um, first thing I noted was, like, the opening art here is really bizarre. I don't know if you clocked this, but it looks like Hawk is sitting on Giza here, and uh, he looks <laughs> really fucking weird. <laughs> and Al is also there. Oh, is she? Uh, I didn't even notice yeah. her. I was just focused on Hawk's like really weird expression. I have no idea what he's doing. <laughs> they kind of they kind of have this um like a wannabe gangster kind of I, I don't know what you call it. It's called like a Bosuzoku's, like the the Japanese gangsters, or there's sort of a squat and then kind of like like give oh, me your meanest like give me your like give me your mean boy pose, yeah, especially like especially that. um. I don't know. They just look like they're ready to throw down, or like they're kind of mean mugging. But I kind of like it. It's kind okay. of it's it's cute, you know. <laughs> but maybe they're mean mugging. Sure. Well, like, I think yeah, Hawk. Okay. Yeah, like Hawk could like I get I get that Hawk is kind of like could be looking at uh, uh, Gija, but Gija looks like he's straight up mean mugging, like from our like at, at us. You know what I mean? Well, maybe I'm wrong. No, no, I think you're right from my memory. I don't know. They're just so fucking weird. I don't enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But speaking of, like, weird bad boys, I have been reading, speaking of, like, other manga, like, shoujo that I've been reading, I found this random series called A Girl and Her Guard Dog, which is about a girl who is, her grandpa is, like, the head of the Yakuza, and so she falls in love with one of the, like, Yakuza members, uh, but there's a 10-year age difference, which is really weird. And also, don't dig the art style on her. And it's really weird. So I'm continuing it because it's so bizarre. I am not enjoying it. But, yeah. <laughs> is that the one you were texting me about earlier? 
No, that one's Tanaki and Hana, which also has a 10 year oh. difference of a 16 year old and a 26 year old. Uh, but that one is worse. I cannot continue with that one because he genuinely doesn't have friends his age and can't like hold down a girlfriend. I'm like, okay, well, if he was a normal person who accidentally got thrown, because he does get accidentally thrown in with her due to like crazy random happenstance whatever and he does keep it pretty platonic like they're just sort of bros in the the first like manga or whatever she kisses him but like he doesn't really do anything about it which is totally fine i'm fine with the younger person making the move because like i get being attracted to an older person it's the older person's like responsibility to put a stop to that shit but um yeah the fact that he doesn't have anybody his own age because he has such a shitty personality and she has to be the one to like call him out make him a better person i'm like oh dude you're 26 this makes me very uncomfortable <laughs> i could not do that one but girl and her guard dog is just like badly written so I'm, I'm reading it in the same way that like with a weird odd fascination that i did with like twilight where it's just like terribly written and you're just, you can't stop reading it Anyway, uh, that was really off topic. Uh, yeah, okay, so then, like, right before the, the chapter starts, there's a bonus comic of Gisha trying to do Sheena's laundry and failing very badly So cute! Because uh, we, we, Gisha's my fave. We know this. It's the only reason I brought so, it up. <laughs> there's, like, nothing to it, but I figured you enjoyed it. I did. I love him trying... Uh, and Yoon just being like, just, just let me do it. Cause I feel like we've all been there where it's like, like, I, like I have this at work where it's like, I, I try to teach people to be self-sufficient with certain tasks and then they can't do it. And then it's just like, j- j- just let me do it. I get, I, I get what you're, you're trying, but just let me do it or it's not going to be done correctly. So it's like, I feel you, Yoon. It is also kind but of funny in his like his robes too. So mm-hmm. we don't really get like different outfits for people. So it's kind of funny. Yes. Too. Oh my god, Sheena and Gija's clothing. So funny. And also <laughs> uh Jiha having to fly Gija over. <laughs> Good shit. I, yeah, I love that he's just sort of like he's like the Hachi of the group where he's just sort of like this this trans mode of transportation he's like i'm not gonna be your transportation and like does it anyway i yeah, do like <laughs> i think it's fun okay so the chapter opens with everyone fussing over sheena you insi- oh um yata did you catch up okay like you know what's going yeah on? uh yeah so I, I assume he was attacked by bandits wasn't that what happened or something like that or they were yeah. fighting off bandits and he got okay yeah he was finding out bandits. He got stabbed. So now, oh, and also he he used his dragon powers. So now he's like out of commission because he's sort of numbed on most of his body parts. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, Yoon says he used the Chansu herbs on Sheena, so his stab wound is healing well. But um, oh, also bringing some nice continuity into the story, though. Mm, never mind I'm gonna cut this because they do bring it up later (laughs) (laughs) I write these notes in chronological order and I kind of forget where we're going because I read the series very quickly so I kind of forget where things happen later um 
And during the scene, Zeno asks, is she not complain with him? Which I know, Evangelina, you're going to hate this, but I think it's very cute. So I'm pointing it out. Yeah, like, you knew me so well. I was like, he's about to ask, you know, if they can play the game or some other weird <laughs> cringe shit that we had around. Did y'all have the game in Ireland, Yata? The game? You're going to have yes. to be more specific. <laughs> um, it's literally it's called the game and if you think about the game you lose the game okay and so people would just be like sitting in class and be like oh I just lost the game and then everyone would be like oh now we lost the game and it was just like it was part of that I'm so random quirky cringe culture which I always that that is Zeno to me is he embodies that culture so <laughs> I've t- had a habit of the past couple, since we've gotten him every episode saying what uh, Zeno is doing in terms of what uh, late, or I guess like late 2000s uh, cringe culture, what he would be doing. And that's this week's is he's going <laughs> to ask if they can play the game. I've never heard of the game before. That's fascinating. Uh, <laughs> probably for the best. It was um, so stupid. There was even a Tumblr post that was like, I want you to know that you're all released from the game. And everyone's like, oh, thank you. Because that's the idea. That was the other roles. You're always playing. Even if you think okay. you're not, you're always playing. Wow. Okay. I, I, I thought it was kind of cute. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> As being less familiar with Zeno than you guys. I like the Alex loves him. I do not care. He's for my him. favorite dragon, so I was gonna see how you feel about him. You don't mind him. I, I, I yeah, I wouldn't say he's my favorite dragon now. Like I wouldn't go crazy, but um, I thought it was. I thought it was like, oh, you're 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 kind of like, you're kind of a cute character. I would say I like I like the way he's written, or like at least the way it's translated yeah. in my like head canon. It's like, oh, that's kind of like that's I I, I would find that more endearing than. Than annoying. You know, that's, that's actually, probably how I would say it. Speaking, speaking of translations, also, finally, we agree on something, which is very exciting after an hour and a half. <laughs> 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 but uh, Zeno has a really interesting, like, um, uh, translation that is hard to, super hard to translate, apparently, from Japanese. I don't know if I brought this up when I was bringing up the, um, uh, uh, quite a few weeks ago when I brought up the Reddit thread on uh, what's hard to translate from Japanese into like the scanlations that people are doing. And Zeno's a really interesting case where he like, he gets really repetitive with what he says and he gets really specific with his language. So he will clarify things that like generally don't really have to be clarified. So apparently that's really hard to translate. He just has a really weird way of speaking in Japanese. So yeah. I don't know. So keep that in mind, I guess. <laughs> but also, yeah, that's a good point um, that you brought up, Yata, where he just has like a very unique way uh, compared to like literally everybody else in the manga. Yeah. Um, well, glad to hear you're on, you're on Team Zeno. Wait, so uh, now that we have everybody, Zeno's my personal favorite. Gija's still Evangelina's favorite. Now that you've met everybody, Yata, like gut instinct. Who's your favorite? Uh, gut, gut instinct is it's probably Gija, but but uh, I I still kind I still kind of like the blue dragon a lot. 
uh, in terms yeah. of like, I just like, it sounds so weird, but I actually just like, I just like, like looking at that character design and no, I'm, I'm kind of just like, oh, I just, there's something about it that I can like warm to. Now I will say that the, in this particular set of chapters, I would say of the four dragons, the green dragon actually stole the show. Like of the, of, from these two chapters, I don't know. He's just like, he's, he's kind of, he made a couple of remarks that I was like, oh, okay. Like he's a bit like, how'd you say this? He's a little bit more like racy a little bit more risque as a character, you know? And like sometimes, like, and in moderation, that can be like refreshing. And he had that, he had that great interaction with Tejun later on, which was like, you know, yeah, you're winning because you're interacting with Tejun. That's like, no, but, but, Gija of the two, but Gija of the two, or of the four would probably be like, he's just like, he's just very, very funny. Um, and like, I like his character design as well, but he gives you a little bit more than the blue dragon. And as I said, Zeno is like, very cute but i don't know it's like i I need yeah i need a little bit more which is weird because you know like i'm praising zanetsu for being like one note comedy character almost but i don't know it's like mileage may vary i guess when it comes to like which characters you you gravitate towards no for sure i i took uh about a hundred chapters in around chapter 100 to decide on a favorite so like for sure xeno's not my favorite yet he doesn't give yeah, Alex told me to give him 50 chapters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like, like you're, you're just like counting them down. 41, 46, <laughs> and I'm not changing my mind. <laughs> I did map it there out. Are, we're going to get to it around March. So, okay. I did. There was a moment later in these chapters that I did enjoy from him. Okay. But. I'm excited to hear about it. I don't know if I pointed it out because I feel like this was my favorite moment for Zeno, but yes. So he asked if you play and Yuna's like, absolutely not. Um, and then Gisha and Zeno offered help Shina get used to controlling his powers while Al tries to feed Shina and Acorn, which I thought was a very sweet moment. So cute. It's a little found family. Also, Gija brings up that Yona can't sleep outside because there are bugs outside, which is king shit. That would be my problem with it, too. <laughs> yeah, okay, so can we can we talk about them sleeping outside? Because do you, do you remember them getting a tent? Um, Possibly. I feel like that was one of the things that Yoon traded for. Okay. Maybe. Because I like spoilers, they do get a second tent, and I feel like that's a big deal. So I thought that was where the first tent was coming from. I don't remember them picking up a first tent. Uh, But apparently they have one now, so that's where Yoon and Yona sleep. Which also I love that they sleep together because everybody forgets that Yoon is a boy. (laughs) I love that. That cracks me up. (laughs) Yes, that's great. Yeah. sensitive about it but he's dealing <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh god bless him um okay so jiha says that he drops the bandits on the side of the road and that they'd get found eventually which i only bring up because i laughed really hard at his aside that he caught a bird too just like super casually and i like to imagine <laughs> that he jumped really high and got like eye level with a bird and he was like yeah you'll do for dinner and just like snatched it out of the air yeah, yeah. 
love this image. We don't get told how he found this bird, so that's all I can assume. And I just, Pet like, desperately want art of this. So if anybody out there can draw, because I cannot. And then the mood comes straight down when Hawk says that the local villagers are holding a funeral for the boy who was killed by the bandits. As Yona and Yoon watch the funeral pyre burn, Yoon says he wants to get better at medicine to cultivate more Chansu herbs. And Yona wants to prevent something like this from happening again too, though her goal is less verbally defined, probably because later we find out her plan is to learn to sword fight and people keep telling her no. So she's just like gonna say, I wanna get stronger, but she's not gonna tell anybody how. So I very briefly researched funeral pyres in Korea and not much came up, so I'm gonna assume it's not really like part of their history. Uh, but it is uh, apparently a common thing in Southeast Asia, specifically in India. I did not research this very long, so I apologize if I'm wrong about this, but um, yeah, I, it doesn't really seem to be like an East Asian practice, funeral pyres. So I thought that was an interesting touch. Also, I just really like funeral pyres. I think they're so they're really prevalent in fantasy i feel like i feel like that's the default way yeah yeah way to go out yeah or like on a boat that gets like lit up with fucking arrows yeah. or something like that which is i uh, guess yeah, is like which is a I guess is a prior some a prior some description as well which just looks fucking cool i mean like visually yeah i mean send me out with fire go for it i love it yeah it's a good visual i guess like and they do it in the in the manga panel as well is like where you have the characters like you have like the shot from behind them as they watch the the prior. It's like a yeah. good. It's like a lot of. It has like a lot of weight to it in terms of like. You know, it's like a quite pregnant image, and there's like I think it's like is it Yoon and Yona are like holding hands, watching it happen as they're discussing. They're sort of like, or as like as we're getting our sense of like how they want to approach sort of like their their growth into the future and how they're going to combat like injustices. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. They're, like, holding hands because they're in this together against this, like, death of a child, basically. The second child they've had to watch die. The second child, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kids are just dying right and fucking left in this manga. Like, so no hard. It always, it always hits hard, right? What's that? Sorry. It's like it's it's a good it's always a good like uh like story beat for like a bit of dramatic like something dramatic is like someone died and it was a child. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Stakes are you know? real. Like like if it was like oh he was seventy he had a good run. Like uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, this one hurt me too more than the first one even because like the kid thought he was safe. Like he went up to them and was like, oh these are our fun bandits. You know, like, haha, wink, wink, I know what you're doing, and then was viciously cut down. Yeah, there's also that, like, added guilt. It is sort of their fault. For I mean, it's not, but it is a little bit, because they, like, made these villagers believe that bandits were totally fine. So it is, like, indirectly, they sort of caused this child's death, which is really fucking tragic. But they're gonna make things right. It's fine. They're gonna be better. So since Sheena is using up the tent, which we've sort of mentioned, Yona is forced outside for the night, um, and Jiha and Zeno are lobbying for her to sleep with them, which I thought was cute. 
And then Gija, of course, as you said, Evan, is like, no, there are bugs out here. She can't be out here, too. She's like, no, 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 it's fine. I'll just sleep with Hawk. And then, like, he Hawk loses his mind in the background. Yeah. <laughs> An absolute delight. No notes. Um... Also, okay, so a couple weeks we were talking about Geisha's crush, and I'll be honest, I don't know what my argument was, but I think I was wrong. So I'm gonna retract what I said. (laughs) (laughs) I was like mulish about it because I was like, you were so incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like remembering that this is a reverse harem. I don't like believing it. So I like to pretend that Geisha is not part of this and he doesn't actively love her. But I think he actively loves her. He just sort of represses it and doesn't understand what he's feeling. So he is like a really yeah, really his, that he doesn't get. He literally catches a feeling and thinks he's dying, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> yeah. Yoon just being like, there's nothing I can do for you, dude. And him being like, it's incurable. <laughs> I do. Okay. That did actually make me laugh out loud whatever he's fine and i'm wrong this was this was also the moment that i thought was cute from zeno because zeno's like it's a fun it's fine i'll just sleep with uh jiha and there's that little side that's like he normally he cuddles up with gija every night yeah i think he cuddles up with sheena actually because he has the oh that's right blue dragon that's right it says blue dragon that's right so no i don't blame you for not getting it i i I'm pretty sure I only understand that because of where everything goes, but not that they they are shipped together. I promise you they're not shipped together. I don't want them together. (laughs) Um, just gonna, just gonna make that clear. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's right. Blue dragon. For some reason I think of, for some reason I get confused because, uh, Jiha or not Jiha, Gija and Sheena both have like a white blue motif going on. So sometimes I mix up which dragon those two are. Oh. Yeah, that's but fair. yeah. But yeah, I did think it was cute that Zeno was just like, okay, I normally cuddle with him, I'll cuddle with you. And then that panel, that was one of the panels I loved was their sleeping arrangements. And yeah. Gija just looking kind of quietly unhappy as Zeno's just like fully cuddled up and you know, happy as a clam was really entertaining and cute. Always happy. Uh, the pairing that one I really point. liked is uh, uh, Yoon and Sheena together, and Yoon has the like arm slung over Sheena's chest, and they're like cuddled up together. I thought that was really cute. Yeah, the sleeping arrangements And then Yona and Hawk are sleeping together because she has uh, totally no uh, ulterior motives. She just wants to hang out with her oldest friend. Like the old days. (laughs) I love that he's immediately like, this is absolutely nothing like the old days. And then it like pans out to everybody sleeping around them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Zeno's right in there as well. Like they're spread up spooning, right? Yeah. Zeno yeah, <laughs> has no personal space. He's like he like gloms on to everybody. Um but I think everybody really likes Sheena because of his fur. Yeah. Oh yeah, place. he's really warm. <laughs> he's really warm. <laughs> yeah. 
so they're all asleep except Yona, who tries to steal a sword off of Hawk, who is also not asleep because he's like, I cannot sleep next to you. And she doesn't get it, but we do. Um, and so then he he uh, immediately grabs her arm and he's like, if you're going to attack me in your sleep, in my sleep, you should at least try to make it sexy, your highness. Which feels does. Like very early Hawk and also a disappointment. <laughs> Yeah, he's doing that weird thing where he does the like uh aggressive come on yeah. to sort of uh deal with his feelings in a not healthy way. It's not my favorite <laughs> trait of his. Uh I will say though that this is a scene in Troy with Brad Pitt. R- Rosebird tries to Roseburn tries to get at him with a knife while he's sleeping and he flips her over and in the same post that was my thought (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) for that aside bringing in that greek mythology that i uh know very little about yes always although troy is like universally maligned by classics uh scholars which is why it's hilarious that i won a classics award in college for an essay i did on that movie (laughs) The it was looks so good. On, you won them over. The <laughs> looks on everybody's faces. Because I also wasn't a classics major. So it was like, who is this girl? Coming into our racket. Taking out yeah. prizes. <laughs> Did an essay on fucking Troy. And won an award for it. My greatest accomplishment to this day. So impressive. <laughs> Um, yeah, so my note on this is I wonder if I give Hawk too much credit for the cave scene. (laughs) (laughs) He does get better, just not yet, because this is like right back to square one. Uh, so yeah, then, um, he confirms that that's why she wanted to sleep next to him the whole time. And the entire camp is like, we can't laugh because if we laugh, we will never stop. (laughs) (laughs) So much. Um, so this is like kind of a off topic, but one time a few years ago, I was watching Goodwill Hunting with some friends and one of my friends is like, I love dudes. They're so mean to each other during a scene where like, I don't know, Ben Affleck was being mean to Matt Damon or whatever. And so I think of that every time. Busting balls, isn't that what they call it? Yeah. Yes, exactly. She like, thought it was if... very funny, and I think of that. And so I wanted to ask you, Yata, as our resident dude, because Evangeline and I are not dudes. <laughs> Is this how you Stop the presses, what? Um... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like I think there was definitely a period of time where there, like that happens, and there's always like, um, I don't know. Like I get, I, I, I can see it, like in certain certain dynamics, if that made sense. But I didn't. I, I felt like I maybe I don't want to say this. Like if, if it's more of like a when you're younger, like it's almost like the run to the litter. And I remember like if I'm not mistaken in. In Goodwin Hunting, in Good, Goodwin, Goodwin, yeah, I can't even say the words. In Goodwill Hunting, Casey Affleck's character like is usually the butt of the jokes. Like I think he's literally like, the younger brother. You know what I mean? Um, I I don't know if it's, if it's just like pronounces in the movies. You know, oh, I'm just busting balls. You know, it's just a bit of fun. It's locker room stuff. You know, um, it's a perfect Boston uh, accent, by the way. <laughs> thank you. <bro. laughs> I pride myself on it. 
<laughs> it's on my res. It's on my resume. It does does good accents. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I I definitely like remember like there certain like dynamics where that is the case. But I would say like at least nowadays like the the social circles. Actually, I know you know I say that now and I correct myself. At work, it happens all the time with like the the male members of the, of the faculty and um, yeah, like I guess there is an element of it. I would say to anyone listening out there who's a, who's a, who's a, so going through that, the best way to do it is just ignore it. <laughs> Don't give them what they want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably good advice. Yeah. And I, 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 on behalf of the male sex, I would say though that like, you know, uh, I think like, I, I would say it's not like it's not I don't I think it's ever mean spirited anyway. It might come across as like I would say mean to each other is maybe not the right like it's a bit harsh. Yeah, it's just like teasing. I mean it's not super yeah. gendered. I feel like uh, I love personally being bullied <laughs> by my friends, but it's like a gentle bullying. It's like you know what yeah. you love and it's not like yeah. anything you're actually sensitive about. You're sort of like it's it's gentle ribbing. But I, feel yeah. like women, I don't know, have a different way of approaching it than like women do generally. Yeah. I think as, as, long, as, as long as that, you know, it's the attitude is that only we can do this because, you know, like there's like almost like a, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I've, it's I've, I always think of it as like, it's more of like a, it's like a, a big brother kind of thing to do. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, um, as, and yeah, as long as it's not mean spirit, it's all in good fun. Yeah. I used to brothers. tell my sister. They're all, they're all brothers. Yeah. That's fine. I used to tell my sister that the reason we call her monkey was that she was literally a monkey that we found at the zoo that the other monkeys didn't want. Oh. That, that, that's the that's the through line with my family. I don't know what it is, but we like to tell younger family members that they're adopted, essentially. Like my... <laughs> mom was told by my uncle johnny that there was i guess this like sumo wrestler on tv named tojo yamamoto and he would tell her like tojo's your real dad and she would get so upset or my great uncle manuel would tell his youngest son rubens like you it's like you're so much because he had you know he was fair complected and uncle manuel is very dark he's like you're not my son you're too it's like and he like ruben would like literally cry <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but that's like the through line in my family with the ribbing, as we like to tell people they're not really our family. <laughs> that's such a dark joke, and I love it. <laughs> Jessica used to get mad. She wouldn't cry, but she would get pretty uh, pressed about it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. All right, so moving on from gentle ribbing and sexual harassment, uh, we finally get some forward momentum on sword lessons. Evangelina, this is one of your predictions for this arc, is that Yord would pick up the sword. Yona would pick up the sword. Yorna. <laughs> and here we go. She's, uh, she's maybe starting because <laughs> Hawk is finally, finally giving in. Which I also think is interesting, though, the way that he gives in. Because uh, it reminds me of the scene that Hawk leaves the Wind Tribe and Moondock says, I'm not letting you yes. go. Yes! Yeah. I, I wrote the same thing. Harken back to Moondock, who raised him. Exactly! So it's also that through line of, like, a good relationship with your father, reminiscent of the child, which has the same, like... Uh, parallel as Yona and King Eel giving Hawk food when they want him to do something for them. 
<laughs> which I love. Um, uh, I feel like there was another scene too where somebody mentions there was, but I can't remember what it was. But I thought was the same it... thing because we talked about it before. Was it Yoon and Iksu? Maybe if you order me to go, I have to. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, there's this also like running theme of um uh there's like a difference between like friendship and love versus like power dynamics. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's like a cool way to bring it up with Hawk and Yona because they definitely have like a power dynamic imbalance and it could get like really dicey, uh, cause they do have that like love aspect. I mean, not yet. They're still friends, but I'm, a spoiler alert, <laughs> they're the big romance. <laughs> so, um, as friends, they're equals, but as princess and bodyguard, she does have power over him. So he's like willingly handing this over this power over to her, which kind of in my mind make, puts him on equal footing because he's kind of agreeing to this sort of like, I know that you have power over me, but the way that he willingly gives it over makes it less of a power imbalance in my mind. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody else, but yeah. Although I feel like he does sometimes try to preserve that because that idea, of, like you know how he always kind of assumed like you or uh, Suwon and Yona would get married, and I would just like serve them or whatever. This idea that he never had that idea for himself because like right before it, he gets mad when she bows to him, and he's like, "What the hell? You're my master. You don't bow to me." Yeah. So I think he he does kind of like to preserve it there a bit too for whatever reason. We'll say though not to get uh too kinky, but it was really hot for him to say, "I'm yours to command and bow." Sunhawk more like subhawk, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, agree, but also okay. So I I read that as like a like a way to protect himself to be like okay well I never have a chance anyway because she's so far above me that like it I have to keep these these power this power structure in place because if the lines get blurred and we are equals then I have a chance and he knows that he yeah. doesn't have a chance and hope is too yeah. much yeah no I would yeah. agree with that it definitely felt like a the way I felt like it was like they were sort of like re-establishing boundaries that maybe like like or reformulize reform formalizing the sort of like positions that they have that maybe like um i don't know it felt like a bit of like a resetting of things you know what i mean like we were almost like too familiar with each other too comfortable with each other and it was just like a reminder that we're not like i guess in the same um social standing or whatever like it felt it felt like a quite a weighty moment or like a kind of like a sad moment almost I don't know. There's the expressions at the end, but you know yeah. she's learning the sword. That's gonna be cool. Better than a bow. There's a little bit of tragedy to it, and it is interesting that he's the one to reset boundaries because he's also the one to cross them and who wants to cross them. But at the same time, he doesn't want to cross them. He's an interesting. He's character. a conflicted teenage boy. Conflicted teenage boy. I love Hawk. He's my favorite. <laughs> Uh, right, so then after this, we cut to Psycho Palace, where the bandits have been rounded up by Lord Tobal, who, like, never comes back again, I'm pretty sure. 
So he says, no, these are the wrong ones. I want the dark dragon and the happy hungry bunch, which makes everybody laugh because it's a stupid fucking name. So there you go, Evan. It is dumb and canon. Nobody likes it. <laughs> and it gets made fun of the entire chapter. So last last week, Evangelina was like, this is the fucking stupid name. And I'm like, I know, but it's cute. Again, it's that cringe. Like, haha, we're so quirky and random. We're the happy hungry bunch. With the yes. happy hungry bunch. <sighs> yes, it is dumb, but it's adorable and I love it. Delightfully fun in my notes. Uh, so the panel where Tobal explains that he wants the group of men who are like monsters led by a girl um, and Hawk covered in Sheena's fur <laughs> flashing, <laughs> flashing a peace sign. <laughs> Maybe laugh so hard. It's such a good panel. And everybody True. looking like Jiha. Wild. Yeah, Yona's got an evil face. Jiha's doing some weird jump thing, not even facing the camera. <laughs> it's a good, that was a good one. A plus panel. Uh, and then also speaking of laughing, I laughed really hard at Kyoga. <laughs> okay, so we're past the anime, so I can't rely on their pronunciation. So apologies if I'm like really, really off, but I'm going to take my best guess. Kyoga, calmly listening to Tobal's plea and then saying, trample this man and having one of his men just like immediately comply. <laughs> <laughs> just made me laugh <laughs> so hard. <laughs> so then one of the bandits confirms Tobal's story and says, the monster that took my arm was protecting a girl. So going back to last week, how we were kind of wondering what would happen. Apparently it's permanent for everybody else but Sheena. Cause Sheena gets back his, his use of his limbs. Uh, but oh, I yeah. guess they never do. So they're just sort of stuck with this like, limb that doesn't work anymore so it's like a phantom limb but it still exists which is really dark yeah cool shit though from a power perspective yeah right what a wild power to have dude okay so then we get a little characterization of this new character, Kyoga, from Guard Chatter. Apparently, Kyoga is cold and emotional and their father's favorite. In contrast, Tejun is a useless disappointment and the laughing stock of the Fire Tribe. And everyone thinks he's depressed because he failed to take the throne by marrying Yona. And then he's back. Uh, Tejun comes back with bad poetry about a red flower slipping through his hands too soon. <laughs> My dude. He, he okay. looks like he looks like he looks like shit here as well. Let's be. I was I was worried yeah, about him. Come get your man's. Yeah. Yeah, I did not. Okay, you mentioned earlier that he looks like a heroin addict, which is so apt. He's like so gaunt and like concerning looking. Yeah, that was a genuine shock of a panel. Yeah, yeah. So how do you guys feel about his like reappearance? Was well, it yeah, obviously obviously I'm obviously I'm for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh I I was kinda like it, it kinda like I I kinda I'm almost like happy that he's taking it so hard because it sort of like validates the de like the depth that like 
I kind of like want to see in him. You know what I mean? And it does lead to some like comic, like a lot of comic moments later on. But again, it just shows that the man has a heart and there's room to grow. And so I think when it all, it's all said and done, like him assuming the sort of like, it's, it's not the fire Lord. Is that the correct? The fire, what do you call it? The, um, the chief of the fire tribe yeah yeah because like him sort of like having a redemption arc and being that's sort of like like through her his interactions with yona would like it would make it's almost makes sense that as she's changing right now she's changing society as sort of like at a ground level almost like by doing this kind of robin hood kind of style stuff for and eventually when she as as you would assume that she'll eventually like retake her position as like the leader of society that she's like changed the fire tribe for the better through changing Taejun, right? Like that's what will happen, hopefully. Hopefully, you know. He's hopefully he's not gonna die like or something like that. Or he's just constantly the coming foil. Like I, I would see him like assume, like becoming a better leader through her, right? Like through her his interactions with her. And right now he's kind of like on that moment where like he's just gone beyond just being sort of like kind of like the two dimensional bad jerk kind of guy. And now he's into the comic relief for a while, but you know, from a good place. Like I think he's kind of like he's he's beginning the rede- the road to redemption, and like I think a lot of that will be through him sort of like being sort of like the butt of the jokes, but in a kind of lighthearted way, you know, kind of like probably like it'll help to like diminish how like predatory he was when he first arrived, you know. Like maybe I don't know. Maybe see it more as like a front. Maybe that wasn't really him. Like this is that was him. Like with the way same with that hawk can sort of get defensive and be sort of regrettable. Maybe Tejun's this is more, more pronounced. Not to excuse what he did, but or what he was like in the beginning. But like I think uh, you get a sense of like through his interactions with his brother and the people who are around him. Like I think there was there was definitely a lot of context for why he was like he was, maybe early on, um, which was like that was one of the more interesting, that was one of the more fascinating elements of these, this the back end of this chapter and the the next chapter was like you're seeing sort of like maybe what kind of like was informing him, you know what I mean? It was almost like forcing him to be something that is not. And this weird sort of like depressive kind of loserdom that he's going through now is like him sort of like starting to reveal, like a, a reveal himself a little bit more. And okay, uh, that's, well, that's, that's interesting that you say that because I, I read him as like Yona falling off the cliff and dying um, is like his first time experiencing consequences for his actions so the way that i think of him is that his original self is his true self and then he finally like (laughs) had consequences for the first time and he was like oh shit real things happen and like i i basically killed a girl um that's terrible and I feel bad about myself and now he's in this sort of depressed state where he's like how can I make it up like I can't fix this this is just like permanent and I am a terrible person and so now he just sort of has to like learn to be better than what he was raised to be yeah because that's the that's the the part right where like he's not supposed to feel terrible about it though you know what I mean 
like like everything like that's like i think that's like where maybe like i think i think the, the, the original so had to be to some degree had to be him acting up onto the role he was supposed to to be performing to like not be the disappointing son right where like like the, doesn't the brother like literally trample a dude at the end uh, at the with his horse at the end of like their little interaction like um and him like say we'll say like in a alternate reality where he actually kills Yona. like the only person who's like crying over that really is him right like the 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 brother doesn't give a shit the fire lord doesn't give a shit and that's like he's not really supposed to but he's just not hardwired that way and i i guessing like a, a part of it would be that deep down he would never was hired that um he never would have he knew him i think he would know and some part of himself know that he would be almost like a fraudulent and I, I think a lot of that behavior that his like behavior might have been like him sort of like acting out to try and like to be some sort of like version of himself that would be acceptable maybe i don't know like yeah, i don't know no. Just... i could see that yeah he was trying to live up to this like familial expectation of no feelings and like um, uh, taking what you want and not caring about anybody else and who you hurt along the way. And then he does it and he's like, oh shit, this feels terrible. <laughs> I don't want this. That's not very nice at all. I don't like this feeling. It's... Yeah. So then like, yeah, I guess that would be his, his innate sort of like deep down personality is actually like really caring and, and emotional and, because like, I think like, there has to be a seed of that there, or he would never have been like that. That shock and that like reaction, that sort of like like that, uh, like that re- when she dies, like the, to get that response out of him, like that <laughs> that that that, ha- that had to stem from somewhere, right? There had to be a seed of that in there already for that to grow, and. Yeah, um, for sure. yeah, no, no, no. I totally agree. I just don't know that he like. I don't know that he was trying to suppress that and putting on an act. I think he just genuinely was going through life and was never told no until Yona. And he was like, okay, well, this is a challenge and I've never been told no. So uh, I, she must mean yes. <laughs> and I'm just going to keep uh, the, the, like, no. the old no, The old no means yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but your eyes are telling me yes. Yeah, the whole like <laughs> rapey uh, sort of context of it. Uh, and then, yeah, he was hit with like, irreversible uh well sort of i mean obviously not but irreversible consequences for his actions and he's like i don't want to be like this at all like this is terrible so yeah i don't know evan thoughts do you have any thoughts on uh i had initially thought like you alex although um and and that's still what i lean toward but i do like that interpretation yata team tejun We'll die, we'll die on this hill. Yeah. He'll, he'll never be my fave, probably. But yeah, but yeah I, I, I do. It was un, it was very much unexpected for me to um, see him get the start of a redemption arc. So, But I ain't mad about it. So, Yeah. Okay, so speaking of Tejun, I, I laughed really hard at his placard thing that pops up to introduce him. Me and it says the Fire Tribe Chief's disappointing second son. Yes, my dude. Uh-huh. Perfect. Uh, he's like, <laughs> you know those jokes that like people will say something really mean and you'll be like, oh, that was my nickname in high school. 
<laughs> but like his <laughs> also 12 year old yona super cute every time the like main trio gets babyfied i'm obsessed with it i love it uh, yeah, so then Ke- Kyoga basically confronts Tejun and tells him to stop being such a sad sack. And also, I really like Hookchi in this, <laughs> where he's, like, totally supportive of Kyoga, and he's like, yes, kill your brother, I'm totally fine with it, but also maybe don't kill him because then I won't have a job and I need to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hookchi is the uh, highlight for me in these chapters. He's so funny. God, he hates... He hates Tejun so much. <laughs> He's just like very annoyed by this man, which like I get it. Um, weird note. I thought Hookchi was a girl for the longest time. I have no idea why I thought this, but I thought he was a woman for like many, many chapters. And I think eventually there's like a side panel where uh, <laughs> where um, uh, Kusnagi is talking about like types of men that they're into and one of her assistants says Hookchi would be the one that she'd be attracted to most and I was like oh Hookchi's a man <laughs> so you, like, you there was never revealed in the manga I don't know why <laughs> at this point I thought I thought she was a woman but he's not anyway <laughs> random side note uh so uh yeah so then they're just clarifying Tejun is sad because he has massive survivor's guilt and then Kyoga says that he's banishing Tejun uh to capture the bandits attacking government officials and stealing taxes so it's more of that dramatic irony that we were talking about that I didn't mention I didn't name it dramatic irony because I feel weird talking about it when it's like a split second before but it is technically dramatic irony. We're like, we as the audience know what's going to happen before, like, they do because everything's been set up really well. So, yes, dramatic irony. He's like, okay, you have to go catch these bandits. And we know who the bandits are, but they don't. So you're like, oh, how's this going to play out? Ah, I love it. Okay, so then chapter 53. Lord Tejun's death wish. So, Tejun and Hukchi go to the southern government office to theoretically round up the bandits, but in practice, Tejun just stares out windows like a woman waiting for her husband to return from the war. <laughs> nice. <laughs> then Hukchi asks for information from, about the bandits attacking uh, fire tribe officials, and we get a fun game of telephone about the dark dragon and his hungry friends. By the <laughs> way, the, uh, the, the, uh, the line... Uh, he says like every every uh, what's it? Uh, Tejun said every ever since that day, all I've seen it, everything has been the color of ash. I was like, that's a very good emo lyric, I think. Yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't even clock that, but you're right. That would be like an MCR lyric. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's full. Yeah, early aughts sad boy now. <laughs> I just want to die. This is like the back. <laughs> Back in the day, I don't think Alex thought they were funny, but there were these videos on YouTube, Lars the Emo Kid, and it was just like a guy riffing on emo culture. And I very much feel that's what Tejun is giving now, is Lars the Emo Kid. Uh, 
I think I had to Google like, this guy. I'm just Googling this guy, guy right now. Lars, the emo kid. Yeah, <laughs> it was some like teen comedian. He had he had another one called Blake the Prep, which wasn't as funny, but like this is what Taejun is giving. Um, so if anybody wants to look at sort of YouTube humor in the same era as like Charlie the Unicorn and whatnot, uh, Lars the emo kid. Yeah, that Man. was. What was your thing with Kerrigan? And I remember you both showing it to me, and I was like, mm, okay. Yeah, I still remember the quotes, and you could apply them to Tejun. Went outside the other day and professed my love to a flower. It was such a passionate flower. Like, that that's where he's at right now, my man Tejun. Oh my god, he was, though, because he was watching the flower petals fall through his hand. <laughs> I'm right telling you. you. <laughs> He's Lars the Emo Kid. I just Google that. I just YouTube the, check the channel. And there's like in the link section, there's a MySpace link. And that's it. I was like, this is definitely from another era. <laughs> Lars yes. the Emo Kid. Did he actually make Lars the Emo Kid the movie? I knew he was working on a movie, but I don't think... I hadn't thought it ever came out, but it looks like he did make Does it. Does the MySpace link still work? I thought MySpace was purged. Uh, no, it's, it's still working. It just goes to a random like... Huh. Like... I don't know. It's like if it's a picture of like a window and like a log cabin, Paxton Gilmore. Yeah, that yeah that's the that's the guy who plays him. God, what a time capsule. A time yeah. capsule. Which I, this was also written, I think it, this manga started in 2009. So this would have been around like at the most, like 2011 probably written. So like, yeah, like right on time for that. She had her finger on the pulse because Nagi did. <laughs> okay. So then they the another official crawls in and he says he was attacked by the dark dragon and the hungry family. Tejun is too busy self-flagellating to do anything about it. And Hookchi's like, okay, I'm done with this. We have to go. <laughs> we have to go actually investigate and do our jobs. So he drags Tejun out to investigate. And they go back to Catan which seems to be on in the gang's home base for now. And as the government officials are searching for the village, a little boy throws a rock at Tejun. And Yoon thinks, oh my god, we're 100% dead. Because Yoon is there. Uh, surprise. So they run into each other, but they don't know who each other are, which is very exciting for us as an audience member. I don't know if you guys feel the same yes. way, but I loved reading this. Where I'm like, oh my god, we know who these people are, but they don't know who they are. Yeah, again, that dramatic irony is doing great things. I love it. I think it works really well here. So, um, uh, Yoon thinks we're 100% dead, but <laughs> Taejun says, I'm sorry for ever being born. <laughs> Which in my notes, I just have mood. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then the, the the two the two panel exchange is just like super funny. Um, I love <laughs> I love that Hookchi says sometimes I want to throw rocks at him too, and <laughs> Yoon just ends the whole exchange with this got weird fast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it took a turn. And then uh, talk turns to taxes. Hookchi says taxes are to support the military, which is important in defending the Fire Tribe, which I thought was. Super relevant to today because I don't know much about Japanese military, uh, but it's definitely relevant to U.S. military because uh, well, uh, the Japanese they can't they can't have a military. 
It's like part yeah, of the World War II. Yeah, it was like the the surrender agreement for after World War II. So they have like a defense force, but they're not allowed to have actual an actual military. Now I I'm gonna Google that because that, that's what, what I, I could be completely wrong. Um, really, all the atrocities the U.S. has committed, and no one's forced us to do that yet. You gotta you gotta lose, <laughs> right? You gotta lose first. <laughs> uh, yeah, they have the uh, Japanese self defense forces. That's really interesting. No, but it makes sense. I mean, the U.S. kind of did a lot of shitty things to Japan after the war. Like we forced them into. Uh, like they they did a, they did a lot of shitty things in World War Two. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, actually, yeah. We had in, we had internment camps. Yeah, for I mean, it's like not even just Japanese. Uh, but like, I mean, like coming from like uh, predominantly like Chinese cultural. So, so, like living in a Chinese culture right now, like you hear about what the Japanese did during World War II, and it's like disgusting. Like the rape, there's like a they there's like a rape of Nanking. I don't know if you've heard anything about that, but it's like it's about as bad and a, a human atrocity that's probably like ever been create been committed. And you know, like the the Japanese, like it's complicated, like because of, like obviously like like reading descriptions or like any media based around like the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki is like, it's awful. But um, I remember like, like doing some studying up on like the, cause like a lot of old, really elderly people, like Chinese people really, really fucking hate Japan. And I would like to get an understanding of that. It was like to uh, just like reading up about like what they were doing to the Chinese during world war two. And this, and like, and like Koreans as well, actually like, there's a lot of like awful stuff in their history as well, you know, like as bad as anyone else. So like maybe they, yeah. for a while there, they didn't really deserve a military. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder, I wonder since you're reading it from a Chinese point of view, I wonder how much of that is like nationalistic because there's definitely like, I took an East Asian history class and uh, so obviously I'm not like an expert because I'm only taking a few classes like over the years, but there's definitely like uh, all of East Asia has basically invaded each other, except for Korea, who Japan and China just kind of kept trying to invade yeah. Korea over the years. Yeah. Have <laughs> you like pushed them back? I don't know that Korea has ever invaded anybody else. Um, but yeah, I wonder. I wonder how many, how much of that, like uh, that history that you've read, is from a Chinese point of view, where they're like, um, they're well, mostly this is like, yeah, mostly this is like Western. Like I'm just like reading Western because like the like Chinese like right Taiwan is this really weird place because they're like not China but they are China but they don't want to be part of China. Also, like literally, it was like under Japanese occupation until after world war two and then like chinese people came to taiwan so you got like this weird mix of like japanese and chinese and traditional taiwanese like cultures all sort of bubbling together but like japan like not like historically long-term like historical thing there's like china and japan but like i would say world war ii like super nationalistic racist Jap japan was like about as bad as it gets like in the West, it's like generally regarded as like the Holocaust is like the worst of World War Two, um, but like what the Japanese people, what the Japanese were doing was like Holocaust level shit in China. You know what I mean? 
um and it was just like there was like like comfort women and there was like like a lot of like raping of like young children and babies and like just horrible horrible things and i remember like i remember like reading descriptions of it it was like actually stomach churning you know what i mean um for sure for sure and uh yeah like so i don't know man like they they said the japanese the japanese military like i said they probably don't need one for a while uh until like like, i think they're like it was like that was a big moment for them anyway like there's i think there's a book called embracing defeat which is like a friend of mine is like always recommending it's like the idea of like they had a lot of there was a lot of like because it's an island nation like and i can kind of like relate to this because of like coming from next to another quite powerful island nation in the uk historically there's like something like about like this island mentality and i think like the japanese like had that like a mixture of like ultra ultra nationalism a lot of racism towards like other asian there's actually there's a lot of racism in asia anyway like you notice that where it's like everybody hates everyone and everyone thinks that they're better than everybody else um and it's like it's it's almost comic like how like surculture it is like they don't even hide it you know what i mean it's like like yeah. these these asians are good these asians are not good you know yeah, what I mean? I think I, Ali Wong mentioned it in her stand-up special about Asians being racist against other Asians. Oh, it's a, it's it is crazy. It's like it's crazy. It's like like the amount like the amount of people like you like uh, particularly like the the bud of the of it usually is Southeast Asians like Vietnamese, Thai, Cambodians, Filipinos. Like that's like like they're like there's actually like even like at least in Taiwan and like other parts of like kind of like Northeast Asia. It's like there's actively laws in place that are just racist. Like it's not like subjective. Like those laws are just racist. Like curfews. Like you have curfews on those people, but you don't have curfews on those people. That's literal. That's literal racism. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. And then it's just like I don't know. You start. You start. You start. You start like reading into it. Like you know, every like like everyone's got their. Uh... It's a weird place you know because like i know like the, like the, the west is like generally regarded like as like we have our we have a lot of problems but there's a lot of problems other places you know and uh like they're like i would say like far like east asia like there's like it's incredibly racist and like backwards in a lot of respects like socially now it's getting better like like uh, gay marriage is legal now but that's like a a recent thing you know and they're like there, there's like improvement but still like china is like backward as fuck you know what i mean and a lot of things and it's because of like the how like authoritarian the the, the government is over there it's just like that's not going to change but like the japanese like i think they're getting better almost like the world war ii thing though was like almost probably like good for them to grow almost it's kind of like i kind of i guess like it could, it's kind of like a parallel to what Tejun is going through if you read it like you guys are saying where there was never any consequences for that abhorrent sort of bullshit behavior until there was consequences. Like it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a this kind of like a parallel there to between like what Japan would have experienced after World War II. Uh, because they said that was the moment where it was like, okay, we have been humbled. Because yeah, before sure, that, we were sure literally just like running roughshod over Asia. Yeah, there's very. <laughs> Um, uh, hubris, where they're like um, the oh shoot, I can't remember the the phrase, but it's like the the 
the land that couldn't be attacked because like so uh, there were a couple uh, attacks that were waged by like i don't know dutch ships or something like that and and typhoons kept hitting them and sinking their ships and so J- japanese people were like we're the they're the land of god or something like that god protects us because like <laughs> obviously like uh typhoons are protecting us um so yeah, that's really interesting to read it that way because like, yeah, there's this sort of hubris where like we are perfect and we're the ones that God has chosen and um, the land of the rising sun, maybe? Yeah, that's like their nickname. But it was like, there's definitely, there was idea, there was like a, almost like a cult of personality around the emperor. So like, there was almost like an, in, like this, like if you have this like divine favor, then like theoretically losing, we'll say, it's like, a well, that kind of like shatters your perceptive of, um of like uh right reality itself right like if like yeah. for example if like god if god is infallible and then you prove god to be fallible i think there's like a isn't it it's not like a thing oh it's what is it uh it's uh dogma the movie dogma the kevin smith movie no yeah <laughs> it's just gonna be a matt damon night <laughs> matt damon yeah. But uh, oh, there's a, they're like, uh, sorry, I get those two confused. <laughs> well, they're both, they're both, they're both, they're both, they're both in dogma. They're both the angels of dogma. They were, they were trying to get, yeah, they were trying to get back to heaven. They were like yeah. fallen angels. But if they got back to heaven, that meant that like God was fallible and therefore it would like unmake the world or whatever. It was right. like a cool, it's like cool in theory. Like the movie's a lot of shit jokes and like, you know, crude humor, but like it's still kind of like, oh. You know, it has its moments, and I, I like. I, I I would consider myself a Matt Damon guy. He seems like a fun hang. <laughs> I, I, he's got a humble face. Does that make sense? Where like, it's like there's like there's no way that guy could be a gaping asshole. You know what I mean? He's just the guy. He's oh, got. I don't know. He did have a a scandal recently because like his um daughter had to like write a paper to convince him to stop using the word and listeners forgive the slur uh faggot oh really God. yeah Jesus. <laughs> he was getting roasted for that because it was like why did your daughter have to write a persuasive essay to convince you that this is a thing that you should stop doing yeah yeah and even if you're using that even if you're using that term and you're like why are you saying that around your daughter yeah it's <laughs> a very good question oh matt you let me down i was literally singing your praises <laughs> like not 10 seconds beforehand yeah that dude that's the thing with podcasts i was listening to um comedian carly aquilino and it was an episode where she was like i'm so sorry i'm done mentioning men on this podcast i mentioned dog the bounty hunter on the last episode no, he is a ra- he I is know. a racist <laughs> And she was like, yeah. And then a lot of listeners wrote in and they were like, he is a like raging racist. I have no idea. Yeah. She even said, she's like, I should have known by the way he looks. Like he's got the racist Oakleys, the mullet. Like she even said, she's like, you wear those Oakleys like you are a racist. Like period. But yeah, he's yeah, like, there's up. like, there's like video like uh, on YouTube of him. Like, so the, I think the scandal with him was that his daughter was dating a black guy and he was just like not happy with it. And there was a, like a leaked video, like a phone call of him talking about it. And let's just say he was using quite colorful terminology. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
And I've, I've been there before too. My family, you know, we're Latin American and Latin Americans can also be very racist against, you know, all, all that, that just goes to show you all cultures are capable of it. For yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. But yeah. yeah I've, they always they always let you down. Dog, but I, I'm sorry, but like whoever that person was, assuming the dog, the bounty hunter, was like <laughs> one of the good one of the good ones. Exactly. And she was like, uh, it was so funny. Did, did, well, she, all she said, she said he was good at his job, and she was basically praising him for that. And then people were like, and she was just like, she's like, I'm done praising men on this podcast because literally they only let you down. every single time I've done it, it like comes out like a week later that they've done something and I just am not doing it anymore. Yeah, it's like, it's it's literally like, there's like, I think you could, it's like, it's almost like a universal at this point. And you go, oh, you know who I like? And then you just get the, really? You didn't hear about the... <laughs> Have you guys yeah. seen that tweet that's like, um, every tweet on here is like, oh my God, I love milkshake duck. And then like the next line is, we regret to inform you that milkshake duck is actually a racist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sort of a, a shorthand thing to be like, he got milkshake ducked. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yeah, there was like, it's just, it's just constant stream. I, I, I figure at this point, this is like, I, you kind of wonder, it's like... If you like, why can you not just like? How can you not help yourself? It's like you're you're going to be in the public eye. Like maybe don't like slaughter the children or don't just be, you know do that like cartoonishly evil or fucking dickheady thing. That's why like, I kind of like like I still like Christian Bale because like he had that big rant where he was just oh, like, but, yeah. but it was like oh whatever. Like you're a dickhead, but at least you wear it. It's like Russell Crowe. Like everyone knows what his problem is. He's like he's a drunken fucking like surly asshole, but he owns it, right? It's not like some secret fucking sex pest. Like it seems everybody is or a racist. Oh. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I'm also not saying that like racism is excusable ever because it's not. But like, I feel like I, there's also I don't know. Like people are allowed to make mistakes. Oh no, they are. They're, like people can make mistakes. I just, I, I don't like this, like the idea that someone can't be redeemed, right? I don't know. There's a sliding scale of things, but I feel like Matt Damon is probably okay because he was like, "Look, yeah. I, I get that it's not okay," and also he's like a 50 year old man at this point. Like we grew up with some really problematic humor <laughs> that we're still like sort of chill with, which uh, was brought up earlier in this chapter, and I'm sure Matt Damon has like more of that as an older white man. So like I I I kind of like respect the fact that he was like, actually, I probably shouldn't say that. I don't respect the fact that he brought it up for no reason. Because there's like for no, no reason for him to tell people that he was using a slur against gay people. But also, like, I do respect the fact that he's like, okay, I learned that that's not okay. Like, good for you. Maybe keep that private, but good for you. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, when was that ever okay, though? I feel like that was one of those just like, nah, you just don't use that word. Oh yeah, like, I, you're correct. <laughs> like, I, remember, uh, I remember, like before I came out to Asia, I was like in Portugal for a while, and um, was like staying with a, I was staying with a bunch of Serbian people, and like, to say that they're old school <laughs> with with their views and their language, it's like mm. would be to put it mildly. But I remember it was like I, it was like one of the few times in my life where I was sort of shocked by what came out of someone's mouth. Because they were like, some guy went to, one of their friends came in and he was wearing like, you know, uh, I don't know, a nice shirt. <laughs> and it's like, 
you look like oh, <laughs> you look yeah. like fag in that shirt and it wasn't like a joke <laughs> like it was like uh one concerned friend saying to another and it was like wow uh, like the only other time i was sort of like monocle dropped was when i heard someone use the c word in anger <laughs> like oh is yeah. it like because in ireland in ireland and in the uk it's just like every other word oh no every other word it's just like you know see this see that see the other <laughs> like oh this and then i heard someone shouting at somebody in anger you f you know and i was like wow holy shit that's like, <laughs> fuck you know it's funny you say that uh i i we met um when I was volunteering in Tonga on vacation to like another island group, we met this like random British couple who had been volunteering as uh, swimming teachers in Australia for like a working holiday. And so they were like on actual holiday in Tonga and we were chatting and she was like, yeah, the thing that surprised me the most and the thing that I had to get used to in Australia was that they use cunt all the time. <laughs> They'll just like call all you the time. randomly and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. That was, I was watching um, an interview with Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya for Dune. Uh, and they were doing like the best friend test. And one of them was favorite curse word. And he was like, oh, you use the C word all the time. And she was like, yeah. She's like, I used to think it was like really bad. And then I started hanging out with British people. And now it's just like, you know, see where this, and then I have to like tell myself like, oh, oh my God. Like she has to check herself just because she's been around, she's been around British people enough now that now it's no longer a thing for her. Well, and then the one is like, the you use the expression is like, uh, oh, he's a good cunt. Like yeah. that, you use that, like, oh, he's a good cunt. Yeah. Like, and just, you wouldn't bat an eye. Like, but I remember like my mom was like, fucking say that around me. I will like give you a black eye. <laughs> like you can. <laughs> uh, my mom's thing. I, I definitely couldn't use cunt. Um, I was allowed to curse as as long as it wasn't excessive and it wasn't at her. Like it couldn't be directed toward her. Yeah, it was like the collective shit, as a, or like yeah, dick. yeah. yeah. <laughs> my dad still to this day loses his damn mind whenever I curse, unless I'm doing it because I've like injured myself. So it's like you know. Stub my toe. Shit, you okay? Like, like that's excuse. <laughs> but and, and the other use of the word shit. Yeah. My, my, my mom was like, no way. She would like kill me. Also, she like her, like she works with, uh, she's like a, I, like what the, she works with special needs children. Like, so like mm. Down syndrome and autistic children. So if anyone. Oh, you, yeah. Yeah. So if we no ever, if, if, yeah, no, 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 dis, no R word or disabled. We weren't like, she would like lose her shit. Oh. Uh, more so than anything, and I, I accidentally might have said the R word around her once. I don't even think I did, but she claimed I did, and she was like, literally, like, you know. And I, I was, I was like, my mom was like all of about five foot six, and I was like six one when I was twelve. So it was like comical. She's like fucking whomping on me because of something that I might have said. That was a big moment when you realize it's like, yeah, they're like spankings or whatever is not going to work. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, that was like, but yeah, cunt is like, I don't know. There's like, it's, it's just not a thing. And especially in Australia. Cause like I consume a lot of Australian media, I guess you'd say like, cause like, um, and they are just like, 
very liberal with like what they can and can't say. Like, and I, I think it's sort of like a sliding scale. In the US, like you gotta be careful what you say. Like there's just like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But when you get down to like, you get a little bit lower down and you realize how fucking ass backwards some other countries are. America always gets the flack because of the fact that it's America. So it's like the big, everyone, like it's the biggest country. It's front and center. So like there's like your stupid people are always worse than every other stupid person, which is not the case. <laughs> there's like anti-vaxxer fucking no mask wearing horse punching fools everywhere. You know what oh I mean? Okay. So I have to derail the conversation slightly because I was on YouTube and I saw a recommended video that was like, children get uh and a wrong the wrong diag or the wrong um uh, amount of vaccine recently and i was like okay i mean did children die so i clicked on it it was like a 30 second clip of the news somewhere in like the bay area in california and basically the story was they got a slightly wrong diluted amount of vaccine and the doctor was like yeah, they might experience like a slightly high fever, but it's no big deal. And I was like, oh, this is wildly irresponsible reporting. Like, you know that people are terrified of the vaccine and they're convinced that the doctors are lying to them. Why would you report this? That like, oh my God, these children got this terrible like amount of vaccine. Uh, with that will not affect them at all. And also they ended it with none of the children have reported bad experiences. <laughs> jo jo Johnny had the sniffles. Exactly. But I that's like I feel like it's wildly irresponsible. Well, I said like more fool you for thinking the media was ever responsible in their news reporting. You know what I mean? Like sensationalist but like Jesus Christ, I remember like like it actually like silly me, it was like when COVID first started, I remember thinking it was like people started being like, Oh, this might be serious. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh, I remember like saying to my dad, it's like it's never serious. This is the same fucking like media because like I remember swine flu and bird flu and, you know, like African yeah. killer bees. It's like, it's always fuck every year. It's something, you know what I mean? And like now granted time has proven me wrong in that description because it turns out COVID, it, COVID is something, but it's just like, yeah, like the, the fear monkeying, fear monkeying in the media has just been like incredible. And then the like, I think it's like crazy. Like we're all of an age of what we could have seen like media or like the news, especially go from like this sort of like, thing where it's like sort of safeguarded by just like industry and the fact that like to be news you had to have like so much like capital and like like traditional media behind you but now like any old fool can be a fucking reporting news on their youtube channel or their blog or whatever and there's a lot of people who will like will eat that shit up right because now you can like the news that you consume is like almost like a it's like it's it's just basically like confirmation bias, right? It's just like you're just getting what you want. If like if you don't believe in the vaccine, there's like ten fucking news outlets that are going to be like reinforcing your your fears or vice versa, right? Like oh, was it like there's like it's and it's kind of like it's been irresponsible on both sides. Like I will say that. I mean, like I have some friends who would be would I guess would uh, identify as conservatives, and I would consider myself like a quite a liberal person. Uh, pretty left wing and by american standards very left wing um but but uh yeah like I'm, like um but you know you see like progressive news sites missing like miss fucking like uh, or like making up news stories about the right and vice versa it's like oh like that actually hurts my soul because it's like 
we're actually we're we're like like as like the uh, as a liberal like we're like letting the side down by like playing into that bullshit like for example like the whole like joe rogan thing about the fucking horse medicine it's like that's you're just giving them what they want that's like a confirmation thing right there you've given them an excuse now to not trust the media because the media is actively you're actively not reporting the fucking news and you're literally spinning a narrative that does not exist and like how can like as like someone who's trying to explain to like my mom was pretty like re- like uh and not anti-vax anti-vax but she was like very reticent about getting it because she listened to her fucking idiot brother who, who is quite anti-vax you know and yeah and it's hard to tell them when you're like oh yeah i know what the media said but actually and i know they were wrong and i know they said this and it's actually this but you should still get the vaccine you know what i mean and that's yeah, that's my that's, cousin i had to con- talk my cousin off a ledge a little bit when i was visiting because she's convinced she's been trying for three months to get pregnant which isn't even that long of a time no and she's convinced that the vaccine made her infertile and she That's like wanted to sue her job for making her infertile and i'm just like you are my favorite person in the world and I, i'm thinking this to myself I'm like this is my favorite person in the world and i cannot deal with this right now <laughs> like, please <laughs> not you <laughs> Uh, this, this this is this is like the uh, the last two years have been a great like you know um, re like a uh, re confirmation that di- how disappointing humanity is as a species. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like just like every I guess one of those things where like um, I remember when I was doing my like I was doing my undergrad thesis. I, I was doing a I did it on Samuel Samuel Beckett, who's like an he's like a Irish slash French playwright, and he one of his plays was just called Sigh, and it was just like one person just going. And uh, like as a like a fresh faced like undergraduate, I couldn't really get with that mindset. But uh, like if twenty twenty one was a vibe, it would just be a like a human like one sigh. That's like it just sums up fucking everything. And every day it's just like 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 the the worst thing is like the the like you go on social media or whatever, or like you re- read the comments somewhere, and it's just like how the fuck have we got this far as a species when you're you know like that guy could vote like you know or whatever. Uh, professional it, sense of disappointment. <laughs> it does sometimes mm-hmm. feel a little crushingly depressing to think that so many people are so self-centered that they just like won't do something for the collective good. It's all like a personal choice of like, um, I don't, I don't want this vaccine personally, so I'm not going to protect other people who need me to get vaccinated because it's my choice and my body and. Mm just co-opting that sort of argument it's just i don't know i think i should delete twitter off my phone because it does sort of feel just kind of hopeless some days where it's like are we ever gonna get better i know that we will and there's just like it's also a confirmation bias of like or an, uh, an online echo chamber it's the same thing in like reddit too where like you sort of follow the people that you are um uh like intellectually aligned with and then the algorithm will build on that same with youtube like algorithms are kind of ruining the internet i think um but yeah you sort of get into this echo chamber of like i agree with this person and that's here's a recommended thing and so like you just sort of like get in this this like mindset of um I personally, <laughs> everybody else sucks and the world is doomed. <laughs> it's basically yeah. how I've like sort of accidentally yeah. uh, formed my my Twitter following. 
And also, I, I, gotta, I wonder, like, they can bring this all this back around to the immortal words of Tejun, where what everything has been, everything I see now is ash. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that is the mood. But I'm not quite as suicidal as him. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay, to get back in heavier... Weird tangents are weird. Weird tangents yeah. are weird. <sighs> yes. So, Tejun, <laughs> speaking of, Tejun finds the hoarded taxes, and he asks Yoon if they're harboring the bandits. And there's kind of a fun moment where Yoon is like, no, but here's your chance to ask them yourself. And he has a smile. And then, like, to, uh, Jiha and Gisha come in and they get to be badasses. And then the badassness is ruined when Tejun actually wants to die. And he's just like, I am, I don't want to kill you. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fun moment. Uh, and then Tejun thinks, once again, I couldn't even manage to die. <laughs> so pathetic. Uh, okay, so then, um, also, I, I looked this up, so in TV Tropes, this is called Break the Hottie, and Hottie is spelled H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Oh, so, he starts I, out... I thought it was spelled out. something else. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was H-O-T-T-I-E. I was like, yeah, Tejun yeah. is a hottie. <laughs> <laughs> Either way it works I disagree. Tejun is very attractive. <laughs> Not right, especially okay, right, right. not right now. Yeah, right. It's not his finest moment. I will say that. <laughs> no, the heroin chic is not doing it for me. Yeah, knee deep, knee deep in self pity, and heroin chic is like. <laughs> uh, but yes, so break the hobby. Um, he he was super proud, and then he had to be like broken down, and this is kind of his lowest point, and now he gets to be built back up, and it's the same exact situation as like Yona, so it's interesting to see them paralleled because she was also a break the hottie case where she was too proud and too like uh, sheltered, and then like really bad shit happened, and she had to you know hit her low point. Um. Also an interesting case, uh, Sashomaru from Inuyasha is listed under this trope, which I thought was really weird because I don't really consider him. Oh. I mean, would you, Evan? As Break the Hottie? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Ren dying, I feel like, was a reset for him. It was a reset for sure, but I don't think it broke him because they weren't close. He just sort of like started to feel emotions. And I, I, I mean, like my argument for that, his like lowest point would be like, daddy doesn't love me. He gave me the wrong sword, but I don't know that that really broke yeah. him. No, I feel like he was broken when Rinda, he was straight up like, I did this for power and it wasn't worth it. Like... Mm, all right, I guess. All right, well, he he was listed. Fun fact. Uh, so then, uh, Tejun is under Jiha's boot, which you mentioned earlier, Yata, and he's feeling sorry for himself. And he hears the voice of an angel say, "Hurry up, boys! Get them out of here! They're scaring our pet villagers." <laughs> 
And he suddenly has the will to live again because he knows that voice and he has to hear it just one more time. And he gets the power back and he he stands up and Jihai is reluctantly impressed because he's like, damn, you're the first person to like fight back against my leg. That's pretty impressive. And everybody else is like, wow, he has the will to live. And then Keisha just like <laughs> calmly picks him up with one hand and tosses him out of the village yeah. and he's like unexpected and hilarious <laughs> it's such a good comedic turn to end the chapter <laughs> but there was some very cool like images of like when they when he uh Taejun was like imagining uh Gijun as like the like the specter of death or something like that and they like some very cool like hand images of him sort of like Come get me, come get me, come get me, like kill me, kill me. And like obviously Ju uh Gijun is like what what what? Like you think I am death? But uh, I thought it was like I thought it was, it was quite it was quite well like uh it was quite well drawn. There's actually some really cool panels there, like in the last uh the last couple of like beats in the in the chapter. Particularly when he started hearing what I assume was Yona's voice. Um but yeah, I, I yeah. Uh, or maybe Hawks. I don't know. I can't imagine Hawks saying pet villagers, though. But um... okay. I thought it was Hawk at first, too, because it feels weird for Yona to say that. But I feel like the only the only reaction that could bring that out of Tejun would be for Yona to be saying it. Because I don't think he'd be yeah. excited to be like, Hawk's alive! <laughs> he does not give a shit about Hawk. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was that was pretty, that was pretty like, uh, interesting. Oh, well, actually, it was kind of like annoying in the respect that I was like, shit, I want to know what happens now. Like, like it was kind of cliffhangery, I guess, in terms of like, oh, like what's going to happen now? Like, how is he going to react? Because like, like as someone who sort of like sees the positive in him, having Yona um, like confirmed as being alive to him would, like that could go either way, right? Like that could lead to a regression. In terms of like, you could kind of slip back into your old behavior because turns out all those consequences that you were suffering were actually inconsequential. Um, or you might have been like thoroughly like shaken to your core and you were never coming back from that because you got a glimpse, like uh, a side of yourself or the world or whatever that maybe you, uh, that made you like, you know, that broke you, I guess. Uh, so that's kind of I'm gonna be I'm kind of quite like interested to see where Tejun will go from there, assuming that you know he's literally not just like Team Rocket, you know, away again, back to the palace, or like to his death, because like the condition he's in right now, he like I don't know if he could actually survive the fall, and like and Gijin got like some good hang time on that like uh, on that throw. What if he just died and he never comes back? <laughs> I love it. Oh, that would be that would be quite the that would become cruel irony right there. Oh, that would. Let's be hope. Cool. Let's hope that's not the case, though. <laughs> okay. Well, assuming. Well, maybe not assuming that is the case. Um, speaking of hoping for things in the future. I think it would be a good place to ask what you guys think will happen either next chapter or like you mentioned at the beginning of the uh, chapters, Yata, where you would like to see the story go. And I would love to hear your thoughts on where you hope the story like overall goes, because that's fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, I would I imagine short term, I reckon that uh, Tejun is going to fracture both of his ankles. 
and <laughs> from this fall. But in the in the long term, like it's it seems to like basically like if you think of, I imagine Yona being sort of like a force of change, and literally like the way it's starting is at the she's starting at the ground level, and that will like affect as she moves back up through society. Assuming that she's going to actually like take the crown from Suwon at some point. Like I can't imagine they're gonna just like I can't imagine like as weird as it would be and as like as interesting as a character Suwon is like the idea of and I'm sure he has his own motivations and I assume at some point we're gonna learn like that actually his motivations for doing what he did were if not excusable then at least somewhat sympathetic from his perspective. Um, but assuming that she sort of like reconciles her position in society as like the head of that again, I would imagine uh, Taejun would. I, I I I see him like becoming like the fire chief. I, I at least hope that he would be, and him sort of being reflective of a new era of leadership that has been sort of positively impacted upon by uh, because of Yona. You know that well, that would be like the I guess the ultimate redemption of him as a character. Like he started off as like a po a piece of shit like kind of uh, carefree noble without like the, without any real consequence of like the effects of your actions or like even like an awareness of like uh the effects that your lifestyle has on the wider society as a whole we kind of got that in this episode when they were talking about taxes like you like i got the sense that Teju never really thought about taxes before and the fact that money does not grow on trees right it's sort of like an education for him and um like i would like for him at least as a character to like to to actually just take that education and like grow as a character and like move beyond just like okay you can like he can be the comic foil like he can be a comic character like i like i, I think he, he could always sort of like assuming that like it he does like accept he's like happy to see yona again and if he cares for her i could always like see him kind of fill into that sort of like role where he's like constantly like trying to like woo her and comically falling short but still being becoming a better individual in, at the same time. That's like where I'd like to see him. And then obviously ends up as a fire chief and he's a good guy. Like he's a good leader because he's learned from his experiences uh, to, that, to appreciate and to value like the lessons and the humanity that is under him. That's like that. I would be, I guess that's where I would go if I was looking to like, to write a positivist treatment of him as a character. Or he could just be comic relief for the rest of the series and a simpering mess. Because it turns out that's actually quite hilarious as well and very entertaining. <laughs> like, sad boy, yeah, Taejun is that. Like, I was there for it. I thought it was, I thought it, he stole the show for me in terms of like these two chapters. I know, like, he's not the most sympathetic, but this, like, this, like, this, like, pouting fuckboy just sort of like knee deep in his own self pity was just like, oh, I thought it was hilarious. But yeah, long term, that's how I'd like to see him go. Um, Hopefully that happens, because I want, I, I, as you know, I want him to like have a happy ending, as almost irrational as that is, because he didn't really do anything to deserve it yet. But I have, I don't know, I have like a lot of sympathy for this character, and I think that he is going to redeem himself. Yeah, I, I mean, he didn't really do anything to prevent that, and I think we're sort of starting. I mean, we're seeing. Suwan definitely get a uh, sympathetic treatment, um, even though he did something pretty damn unforgivable, in my personal opinion, um, which I know is not the case of everyone, 
but <laughs> in my opinion, I don't think it's forgivable from like Yona's perspective. And then Yona's also sort of in a similar boat where she is kind of unlikable in the like I think she's likable, but she has a lot of unlikable traits and uh definitely same thing with Taejun. So yeah, I think it's within the realm of possibility that he can sort of overcome that and become a better person for sure. I, love uh, I would hope so. <laughs> if they got to they got to do him right. They got to do my my boy right. <laughs> as like the, as like the head of the Tejun fan club, I'd be like, it would be quite disappointed if if he was just like kind of like comedy. Fl- he's been relegated to comedy fluff and nothing more. Uh-huh. And then he never gets better, and he just like is yeah. a stagnant character. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this. I would get. I hope that yeah, the series can do better than that, and I'm sure it will. Like the writing so far suggests that that would be. I think like I like if, if it doesn't go exactly that way, I think it, w- it it will go in a sort of positive way. Like maybe he's not necessarily like the fire tribe leader, but like maybe he like stands up to his brother and kind of like keeps him in check or something like that. Or he's like an accountability for like the rest of the fire tribe. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Evangelina, uh, do you have any thoughts that are different? Um, yeah, I think we're going to get to see. Sorry, you are a redeemed uh, Tejun. Um, I I do kind of estimate him kind of always being a bit of a joke a little bit. Um, I also think we're going to have, as for the rest of the gang, uh, I think I said this as part of my prediction last week, but there's going to have to be a reassessment of how they do things as the Happy Hungry Bunch, which speaking of, somebody mistakenly calls them the Famish family in one of these chapters, which is a much more metal name. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I was actually, I was going to say, I, it's, I think it sounds more like a kind of like a country, like a folk band. Mm, like, yeah, oh, like, that or even like some sort of weird mob sect. Like <laughs> I could get behind the Famish family. Uh, but yeah, they're going to have to reassess that how they're approaching it for sure because you know they cause problems by doing what they're doing um and i want to check back in with honestly i kind of want to check back in with suan soon i want to see what he's up to my dude okay Are you writing this down or are you just repeating it very slowly? I am writing this all down. <laughs> okay. I like to revisit this. ¿Por qué no los dos? <laughs> and I have terrible memory because of the ADHD, so I gotta rewrite it all down or I'll forget. Uh, it. Join, that, join that club. <laughs> I, I, I also wear. Uh... <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, okay, so speaking of predictions, Evangelina, last week you said that the group would powwow as to handle the band uh, as to how to handle the bandits regarding endangering the villagers, which mm, sort of they happened. haven't really. They were like, "Ooh, we kind of fucked up. We got to do better." Yoon makes a plan to uh, grow Chansu, and Yona decides she wants to stab a bitch. Mm-hmm. Not too much, but you're sort of on the right path. They're still learning. There's still a little ways to go. She's learning to stab a bitch. (laughs) 
She, she may learn in the future. We'll see how that goes. We'll see if Hawk actually means it um, when he says that he'll he'll uh, let her handle a sword. Let her handle his sword. Wink, Innuendo. Wink. Innuendo, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I think that brings us to the end of it. Did, you, did I miss anything? you guys have any final thoughts before uh, we wrap things up? Uh, no, thanks so much, Yata, for joining us again. Do you want to remind our listeners where they can find you? Uh, my anime podcast on podcasting platforms. And it's at my anime podcast on Twitter. We're not like, we haven't released anything in two months, though. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> but your backlog, you have like a significant backlog. Yes, there's a quite, there's quite the catalog of like a hundred there's like a hundred we're on we actually recorded 124 last night um but yeah. if it's not fantasy related it was a wheel of time related so uh but we're we're, we're thinking like we're talking about talking about getting back soon yeah if you do i still vote since we don't have time to do all of sailor moon we should still do promise of the rose oh yes yes and i think we said i think we talked about doing brothers conflict as well or brothers war it's like trash yeah. reverse harm show, Joe. We need to get on that. Oh, yeah. I just been so yeah. like I've been so out of it with uh with work, like because like it's like September is the start of the school year, so this time of year it's like I was saying to a friend last night, it was like literally it feels like this week was the first week that it was like not a fucking shit show in terms of like <laughs> trying to catch up on stuff. So like yeah, and um, yeah, definitely like we should do that soon. Uh, so like yeah, we, I guess we could be in touch. In regards to like a date yeah. but uh yeah. it's always a pleasure yeah. to revisit the world of yona and um yeah it was it was a lot of fun thanks for having me yeah thanks for coming back and talking about our our boy tejun who i think you're the only supporter i'll never join yeah. you I gotta, I gotta, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have a t-shirt printed up next time or something like that <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh yeah I, I, I gotta check out the member favorites actually he has on on my anime podcast or sorry on my anime list just like accidentally um, name dropped their own podcast. Um, I assume he's got millions. Let me see. Teju and Teju and Teju. Okay, here we go. He he's got fans. thirty. He's got thirty-three fans. Woo. <laughs> okay, that's a little smaller than I was expecting. I was going to tell you to maybe hold off because he does have quite a significant role, and there might be some spoilers in there. So maybe. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, this this is like this is just like a. On the member favorites on like my anime list, so like, I you only get ten favorite characters. So thirty three people have him as like their top one, of their top ten favorite anime characters. Um, most popular character in the show is Hawk. Hawk is the most popular character. I believe it. fucking rules. <laughs> I'm t- okay, so like not yet. He will get there. But like by the end of the third arc, you're like, oh my God. Okay. So my argument for Hawk is that like he starts out way too perfect. He has a little bit of the like sexual harasser situation going on, which makes him not perfect. But for the most part, he's like, a little bit less than perfect. <laughs> the old sexual harassment vibe. <laughs> for the most part, he's like a perfect shoujo boy where he has like barely any flaws. And then you get to the third arc and you're like, oh, that's your issue. <laughs> So he'll get there, and that's when that's when he becomes my favorite. When he like shows flaws, love that shit. Um, anyway, yes. Yeah, so like this entire series is basically just an exercise in wait, wait just a minute. I promise it gets better. 
<laughs> and then it ends. And with that, uh, I think we'll end it here. So, um, yeah, next week we're going to see some other stuff in the second arc, I guess. Good. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great, that was a great sell. <laughs> next week for other stuff. I'm trying to be chill. I'm trying not to give away what I think so that Evangelina can make her own, you know decisions on this arc because <laughs> i'm really <laughs> shitty about giving away spoilers and i try not to be but like i'm bad at it. i love it when she does but... <laughs> <laughs> yummy so yummy spoilers <laughs> oh, them all up. i'm ending it here so that i don't say anything more <laughs> all right we'll see you <laughs> next week <laughs> bye bye bye